0: Hi, and welcome to this Decision Day episode of the Legal LGBT Podcast. I'm Eric Lesh, Executive Director of Legal, the LGBT Bar of New York. Today was the day. The Supreme Court issued an opinion in the highly anticipated case, Fulton v. City of Philadelphia. In this particular instance, the court ruled in favor of a taxpayer-funded adoption services provider, Catholic Social Services, that wished to turn away LGBTQ families and against the city of Philadelphia. However, this ruling was extremely narrow. It was limited to the contracting practices that Philadelphia used to enforce their non-discrimination protections, which the court acknowledged must be applied neutrally. This is nowhere near the sweeping outcome that many LGBTQ lawyers feared and that we have discussed as a potential outcome on this podcast. The court did not grant a new constitutional license to discriminate against LGBTQ people based on religious beliefs. The constitutional framework that we've talked about in Employment Division v. Smith, for now, remains unchanged. Governments can and must continue to hold discriminatory actors accountable under neutrally applied civil rights laws this is still a rather troubling ruling. It prioritizes Catholic social services religious beliefs and doesn't take into account the real harm to LGBTQ youth in the foster care system and to LGBTQ parents who would be denied access to parenting and services on an equal participation basis. We are here right now with Professor Art Leonard, chief editor and writer of Legal's LGBT Law Notes, the most comprehensive monthly publication covering the latest legal developments here and abroad. I know our listeners are eager to hear his thoughts about what exactly happened, what the court did and didn't do, and how we move forward from here. So let's dig right in. Hi Art, how you doing? Uh, Well, on the one hand, I'm disappointed. But on
1: the other hand, I think this is more of a win for the gay side than the religious freedom side. You well, know? there there are so many there are so many uh, silver linings in this dark storm cloud.
0: Yes, and I can't wait to get into all of them. And I definitely think that, you know, looking at this, if I said to you that I predicted this would be a nine zero kind of a decision, I don't know that we would have believed it. But it actually turned out being a six to
1: three decision with respect to the issues that the religious freedom people
0: were so eagerly seeking. Yeah. So let's say, let's do this before we dig into the meat and potatoes, because I want you to give us, you know, I want the, the facts and what the court weighed and how they came out. What is your What is your kind of top line way that you would summarize this case to somebody who's freaking out because they saw a headline that says Catholic Social Services wins?
1: Uh, I would tell them this is like Masterpiece Cake Shop. Uh, The baker wins, but the baker wins, the baker who didn't want to make the, the cake for the gay couple, the wedding cake. The baker won, but he won because uh, two loose-lipped state commissioners made nasty comments about religion at a hearing, <laughs> that's why he won. He didn't win because the court said that you have a right not to comply with the anti-discrimination law, and uh, the same thing here.
0: All right, Art. So tell us about the facts of this case.
1: All right, this this is this is a case that was invented by a bunch of reporters who were looking to make a story. You know, at least in Masterpiece Cake Shop, we actually had a gay couple who went into a bakery and got turned down. I mean blatant discrimination. This is a case involving an agency which claims that it has never been approached by a married same-sex couple seeking to be certified to be foster parents by them. Uh, All right, so you have the Obergefell decision in 2015. All of a sudden, same-sex marriage is available nationwide uh, and various issues arise from that. One is religious bakers who don't want to make wedding cakes. Another is religiously affiliated agencies that don't want to uh, approve adoptions or foster care placements with married same-sex couples. All right. so the Obergefell decision, you know, it produces all of these clashes uh, between personal, moral, or religious beliefs and anti-discrimination law. Uh, so here uh, we had a bunch of reporters And they decided to do a story on this hot issue. This was 2018. They decided to do a story on this hot issue now that's bubbling up of agencies, especially religiously affiliated agencies that don't wanna deal with married same-sex couples. So they call around to the various agencies in Philadelphia to say, uh, do you evaluate uh, married same-sex couples to be adoptive or foster parents? And uh, they kept track of the answers and the only agencies in the Philadelphia area, and they were like at least two dozen agencies, the only agencies that had any hangups about dealing with married same-sex couples were Catholic Social Services and Bethany Social Services, which is a Protestant agency. And uh, so they wrote their article, it appeared in in one of the local uh, daily papers in Philadelphia, and it caused an uproar in the city council which passed a resolution calling for the Human Rights Commission to investigate this agency uh, because we have a law in in the city of Philadelphia. We have a a fair practices ordinance that says that public accommodations may not discriminate based on sexual orientation. Uh, And uh, so uh, they called on the agency. And at the same time, of course, pressure was put on the uh, commissioner of the Department of Human Services, which has the contract with CSS to do the vetting of potential foster parents and to make the matches with the kids and, you know, to provide supportive services and all this sort of stuff. Uh, so they get in touch. Uh, the commissioner gets in touch with Catholic Social Services and Catholic Social Services says, well, no, we we just can't do this. It's, it's inconsistent with our faith and we are a Catholic agency. Uh, so what happened was they got cut off and uh, a handful of people who were foster parents who had been receiving foster child referrals through CSS joined with CSS to file suit in federal district court in Philadelphia, seeking a preliminary injunction to require the city not to cut off Catholic social services and to continue the program pending the outcome of the suit. And uh, the district judge looked at this and he said, well, it's, it's a clear violation of the city fair practices ordinance. And uh, furthermore, under Employment Division versus Smith, a 1990 decision, opinion by Justice Scalia, uh, this is a neutral law of general application. Therefore, they don't have a First Amendment free exercise defense. They have to comply. So the district judge said, uh, I will deny the preliminary injunction because you haven't shown a likelihood of success on the merits. Uh, they appealed the denial of the preliminary injunction to the Third Circuit, the Cir- Third Circuit affirmed the district judge, uh, and then they uh, filed the cert petition. And the Supreme Court heard oral arguments on November 4th. And you know, people are speculating, why did it take so long? Because most of the cases, I think almost all the cases argued in the November sitting of the court have already been decided. Uh, so why did it take so long? It took so long because there was an internal battle within the court over whether to overrule employment division versus Smith, which was seen as sort of the keystone of the lower court's ruling. They said, because of employment division versus Smith, we, we can't make an exception for you. You don't have a right to an exemption. Uh, so there were three members of the court who are really hot to overrule employment division versus Smith. Justice Alito is one of them. Uh, Justice Gorsuch is one of them and Justice Thomas. And they were like lobbying so hard. Uh, uh, they thought they thought they could get Barrett. They thought they could get Kavanaugh. They thought they might even get Roberts. Although Roberts, Roberts doesn't like to overrule decisions. He likes to distinguish them or figure out ways to get out from under them. Uh, so what happened here, and maybe this also explains why it took so much time, is Roberts figured out a way to put together a cross section of the court to bring in uh, Breyer and and Sotomayor and Kagan, you know, the three remaining Democratic appointees to bring them in to keep Kavanaugh on board with him uh, and even Barrett. So those three who were so eager to overrule employment division versus Smith, they got overruled. Uh, And as Barrett pointed out, because she wrote a separate concurrence that was joined uh, by Kavanaugh and only in part by Breyer uh, Barrett pointed out, "Look, I have problems with Employment Division versus Smith. It's a troublesome case, but I agree with the Chief Justice that we don't have to overrule it to decide this case. I, I agree that we can decide this case in favor of Catholic Social Services without overruling Employment Division versus Smith. So I'm going to join his opinion, and Kavanaugh signed on to that, and Breyer." Uh, didn't agree with the first paragraph of her concurrence, which said there's a, there are problems with employment division versus Smith. Uh, he agreed with the part of it where she said, if we were to overrule it, we would have to address all of these different questions, which are not really raised by this case. And so it would all be dicta and it would just be messy. And uh, so he agrees with that part. So what did Roberts do? Well, Roberts knocked the props out of the district court's decision in two significant respects. First of all, He took a close look at the language of the Philadelphia fair practices law. And he said, you know what? We agree with Catholic social services that they are not a public accommodation under this law. They don't sell goods and services. What they do is they perform a function on behalf of the state of certifying people as qualified to be foster parents. And then they provide supportive services once a placement is made And the actual placement is made by the city agency, not by uh, CSS. Uh, They do the vetting and they do the certifying that the people are qualified and then they'll refer people, but it's the city that makes the ultimate placement decision. And then afterwards they provide supportive services and they say, you know, if, if the city has certified, uh, has placed someone, we're not going to deny supportive services because it's a same sex couple. We're just not going to certify them because that violates our religious tenets. So Roberts concluded, they are not a public accommodations with respect to this case. Therefore, the city ordinance is irrelevant. Leave that to one side. So now we focus on the question, did it violate the first amendment for the city to say, if you don't sign this contract, uh, we will not renew your, uh, your participation in the foster care program. And here he zeroed in on a particular provision, uh, which uh, is a non-discrimination provision that's in the contract. But it says that unless an exception is made within the sole discretion of the commissioner. He said, well, if the commissioner has discretion to make exceptions to the anti-discrimination requirement, then I think it's not a law of general application because there are exceptions, there are exemptions and in fact, there is a very prominent exemption that got argued about uh, that uh, agencies are allowed to make distinctions based on race in, in, uh, in um, making matches and things like that and, and uh, suggesting couples as being suitable for a particular uh, person that's been referred to them. So there are various ways in which the commissioner may be asked to uh, grant an exemption in a particular match. So the court says if exemptions are available, we go back to employment division versus Smith and we look at the language there and employment division Smith even has a statement that if exemptions are available from a policy then it's not a policy of general application. And if it's not a policy of general application employment division versus Smith doesn't apply. So we're back in the world of pre-employment division versus Smith First Amendment free exercise jurisprudence, where if a a government policy uh, conflicts with someone's free exercise of religion, then it's subject to strict scrutiny, or the words that are used by Roberts here is strictest scrutiny, which seems even worse, which means the government needs a compelling interest to justify it. And what is the compelling interest of the city of Philadelphia, not in having an anti-discrimination policy in general, but enforcing forcing this one Catholic agency to comply with that policy when there are two dozen other agencies in town that are perfectly happy to provide these services to same-sex couples. Where is the compelling interest in that, in, in, in having this confrontation between free exercise and anti-discrimination law when on a practical level, it isn't necessary because same-sex couples have never applied to CSS to be certified. To be foster parents, they know not to go to a Catholic agency, you know. Uh, I mean, the fact that CSS has it in their handbook and stuff is almost irrelevant.
0: Fantastic. But, and when the how, how many Catholic, how many, how you many, don't.
1: you know, I guess, I guess there are some very devout gay Catholic married couples who want to go through a Catholic agency, but you know what, they're gonna to have to settle for something else in Philadelphia, evidently. But we're not even sure of that because if. Philadelphia were to go back and revise their contract to get rid of the discretionary exemptions, that knocks the props out of this decision for Catholic social services, then it becomes a law of general application and then employment division versus Smith applies. So, you know, but I think the takeaway from this case is uh, that a majority of the court was not willing to overrule employment division versus Smith. A majority of the court was willing to buy in to an interpretation of the Philadelphia a fair practices statute that doesn't cover an agency like Catholic Social Services. So they're sort of reading in an exemption from being subject to the city uh, statute uh, because of the way it's written. But the city could go back and amend their statute because uh, Roberts was relying on the definition of a public accommodation in the statute. And he just said, well, I think that this doesn't fit the definition in the statute. Uh, They could just rewrite the definition. Uh, Now, I think uh, Justice Alito was outraged. Uh, He saw this was his chance. This was his main chance to overrule employment division versus Smith, which has been a goal of the religious right for 30 years. Employment division versus Smith was so controversial that Congress actually tried to overrule it twice. The first time the Supreme Court said, you can't overrule the First Amendment decision by the Supreme Court, so they went back and they cut it down a bit, and then they reenacted it. It's called the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, and many states passed their own versions of it, which uh, basically tries to restore free exercise law to what it was before Employment Division. But they can only do it with respect to action by the government. Uh, so uh, it's it's sort of narrower. But the point is that Employment Division versus Smith survives. Okay.
0: And uh, another day, but you can see the writing on the wall here. Oh, yeah. yeah. And so turning to the other issue here, I mean, Catholic Social Services made an alternative argument about free speech and that this is compelled speech.
1: They said it violates our First Amendment freedom of speech rights to say that we have to certify that same sex married couples are qualified to be foster parents when based on our religious views, we disagree with that. It's compelled speech. Uh, the district court said no, it's government speech because you're, you're doing it under a contract performing a service on behalf of the government. And you're applying criteria that are spelled out in a state statute, the criteria for qualifications to be a foster parent. You're just supposed to apply that in a sort of mechanical way. Obviously, you exercise some judgment, but you're not supposed to exercise a religious judgment. Uh, so it's, you know, it's not compelled speech. Uh, Robert says to the end of his opinion, we're not gonna deal with the compelled speech argument because we've already decided this case in favor of Catholic social services on the religious freedom argument. So we don't have to decide the other, but the other is significant. And uh, remember in Masterpiece Cake Shop, uh, Justice Thomas's concurring opinion uh, was entirely based on the idea of freedom of speech of the baker, uh, that it's compelled speech to require him to make a wedding cake for a same-sex couple's wedding. Uh, and the court never really uh, got around to that at all because they decided the case in favor of the baker. So they didn't have to really discuss that issue at all. Uh, so this is, this is a rather complicated stew. I'm thinking about how I'm gonna teach it to my sexuality in law class next spring. So, uh, you know, this is a temporary quasi-victory. It's a defeat for uh, the LGBT rights movement in the narrow sense that taxpayers in Philadelphia may get stuck paying Catholic social services to perform these services from which same-sex couples are excluded. But it's not a biggie. You know, there are, there are two dozen other agencies in the Philadelphia area that will do this service and will do it happily. Uh, the big deal is the court did not overrule employment division versus Smith and the court did not recognize a religious exemption from complying with the Philadelphia fair practices law. Uh, And that's very important because there are religious groups who are working very hard to try to uh, get religious exemptions to complying with anti-discrimination laws wherever they can. Uh, So here is an anti-discrimination law that stands unsullied in the city of Philadelphia. And we know that there are efforts underway once again to try to amend the Pennsylvania uh, human rights law to add sexual orientation Uh, probably won't happen unless uh, we can flip the state legislature uh, to the Democrats. But uh, there are so many municipalities and counties in Pennsylvania that ban sexual orientation discrimination that I think a majority of the state uh, lives in jurisdictions that ban it. And uh, there's always the possibility that the courts in Pennsylvania will follow Bostock and say that the ban on sex discrimination applies to sexual orientation and gender identity as well. So we still hold hold out hope for Pennsylvania. But, you know, interesting, very interesting case. Yeah, and I up.
0: guess what I'm, I'm interested in hearing your thoughts about are, you know, obviously this d- is a very limited, narrow ruling. And, and like you said, the impact is on one service provider in Philadelphia and there are others, but there's no question that there's going to be more litigation along these lines. Right. Um, and, and that particularly when it comes to services like foster care, homelessness, one, in New York City, one in three youth in foster care are LGBTQ. And to have foster care agencies that take state money, able to turn those folks away, to turn parents away, to give them at some point down the future, some kind of opt out, right? Or, or a Catholic hospital who doesn't wanna treat a same sex couple or the child of a same sex couple. What happens if going forward, we get a ruling that's on the merits that actually goes there. And now we've got this situation where a lot of these groups that provide services are religiously affiliated and they've got a right to kind of under the constitution turn away any LGBTQ person that they want to.
1: Well, do we actually have that problem in New York? Do we have Catholic social service agencies in New York that are denying services to LGBT people or same sex couples? I haven't well, my, heard of any cases about it in New York.
0: Well maybe Upstate my, we
1: had upstate we had one, but not here in the city.
0: Art, my point is there are LGBTQ people overrepresented right. in the foster care system right. and not enough parents who want to provide loving families. And so right. to turn away queer parents and kids is dangerous, whether it's actually happening in the city or if it's happening in Idaho. It's really, really important. And so right. I'm just wondering if we eventually the court goes there over Smith. That would we'll, be awful. Yeah,
1: that would be awful. Uh, and it would be a, a further progression on the court's little adventure with uh, supersizing the free exercise clause and minimizing the establishment clause. And its I think it's significant. We don't even see any discussion of the establishment clause here, with the idea that the city of Philadelphia is paying money to a religious agency to carry out a governmental function. Mm-hmm. And is trying to require that religious agency to not let its religious tenets result in discrimination against any Philadelphians who are entitled to access those services. Uh, and is being defeated here in a decision that is rife with technicalities and focusing on specific little, you know, these words appear here in this contract and that sort of thing, and is not based on a broad general principle of equal citizenship and equal entitlement. To goods and services in an open marketplace as described by justice kennedy in the masterpiece cake shop decision uh you know and uh unlike that decision where kennedy uh took care to say that uh we are not detracting from the general rule that says that uh, people who run businesses who provide goods and services to the public are not allowed Uh, to refuse services based on their personal religious objections to somebody. Uh, Roberts doesn't even give us that little speech here. Uh, But uh, what he emphasizes is Catholic social services and its predecessor agencies have been providing services to orphans since 1798, when in response to a yellow fever epidemic, a priest organized an association to care for the orphans whose parents had died in the epidemic. And that—that's how far back Catholic Social Services traces the roots of its program dealing with foster care and adoption. You know, they used to run orphanages. Orphanages are out of favor now, so now we have foster care and adoption, or we have—you uh, know—facilities for kids who have uh, mental disabilities and you know are struggling with uh, psychological problems. There are some residential treatment facilities still, which are sort of take the place of the old orphanages, but. Uh, you know this agency has has uh, roots going back to 1798 and in all that time it wasn't until 2018 when a bunch of nosy reporters called up and said hey do you provide services to same-sex couples all of a sudden they're in the newspapers the city council's in an outrage the mayor's talking against them the commissioner's giving them an ultimatum and they're saying but same-sex couples don't come to us they know better
0: Oh my God. I mean, look, on one hand, there's no denying Catholic social services provides tremendous services right and it's got a history of of dealing with and and serving the most vulnerable but to see all of that reflected in a Supreme Court decision and to not see some of the data about the harm to lgbtq people when they're turned away the right. overrepresentation in the in the system yeah. you know, you know who's
1: amicus griefs got cited
0: here <laughs> you see in the court opinion the favoring of these religious entities over and to the exclusion of the voices of LGBTQ people. And that's just, yes, Catholic social services probably does amazing work. And um, there are
1: petitions pending before the court that could bring this issue right back. Uh, right. I mean, there, there's, there's still a wedding, I think there's a wedding petition that was filed years ago that they haven't acted on yet. Mm. Uh, I, ha- I wouldn't be surprised if as a result of this opinion, they finally grant that petition because they'll pick up either Kavanaugh or Barrett, who will say, "Yes, I agree." You know, with the others, that it's time to take unemployment division versus Smith. Yeah. Uh, so uh, you know that could come right back to us next term or or the or the term after. Yeah. Uh, so you know we've we've got so much litigation bubbling up. This is going to be such an interesting year as we go forward.
0: It really is. We've got so many important cases on the docket coming up in the next term. Um, we we've definitely you know, avoided the most uh, costly, sweeping, dangerous ruling here. This is a good outcome at the end of the day. Some are even, you know, I've seen Shannon Mentor and others talking about how this is a big victory. Um, So there's certainly room for a wide array of, of ways to characterize this, but this was not a, huge awful loss that this could have been despite the fact like masterpiece many of the headlines might say religious agency wins over LG over the city of Philadelphia's right all, all the headlines
1: will say that I mean uh, from from the handful of uh, of mainstream media stuff I quickly was able to look at uh, and there was a lot of press of time to do this podcast when you know the opinion came out of 10 and it's 110 pages and I had meetings in in the interim, so I couldn't do
0: this. You not time to correct the record right away. But right. thank goodness you're here right now right. to correct the record. Right. And and get us kind of rebalanced. It's
1: here. the same thing with Masterpiece. You know, Masterpiece yeah. comes out and all of a sudden, all over the country, people are saying, OK, bakers don't have to make wedding cakes for same sex couples. Nope, not necessarily so. And uh, so this was a holding action here and uh it's uh, you know i'd hardly characterize uh, chief justice john r roberts jr as being a great champion of gay rights that's not his basis here his basis is on putting together a majority uh for a narrow ruling in favor of catholic social services without uh tipping over the apple card of employment division brief smith because that opens a parade of horrors
0: <laughs> it really does oh, thank yes. you. All right, Art, this was truly uh, a pleasure. We're going to rush this out right away so that listeners can, can get your insight and to know uh, more about this case, what happened, what's coming up. And I, we're just so appreciative uh, to have this time to be able to chat with you. It's a pleasure, as always. All right, Art, take care. Bye-bye. Bye. And thank you so much for listening. This and future episodes of the Legal LGBT Podcast can be found on iTunes, on Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Please like us, share us, give us five stars. It's how other people find us. We are going to be back with more Pride content coming up. Thanks for listening.